Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Chris. Hey. Hey. Um, Guys, we're in Revelation. There's some stuff going on. Where do we want to start? There's always something. Like I, well, I missed out. I missed out on the beginning of Revelation. No. So I'm like, I'm like the swoop in guest. Um, what a time to be a guest, guys. Um, isn't it crazy that we're ending? Isn't it crazy that we're ending this year with Revelation? I, don't I know. love it. I, think it's <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, obviously, but it does. It's pretty we, intense because we've gone through the whole thing by now. Yeah, there's going to be so many echoes of all the other 65 books, which uh, I love. That. That's the benefit of the whole thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's some things in here that. Uh, that people love to read about. <laughs> Should we talk about that? Okay. So my precursor <laughs> to this conversation is that if you, I just, I just noticed this personally as I was reading over it. I don't oftentimes sit down and be like, I think I'll read revelation tonight. Um, but just reading <laughs> over the passage that we just read, I think that if you read over it and take the whole thing into scope, it's just so obvious that we really shouldn't be like drawn super deep into the details of like, what is this thing? And what is this thing? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels like, okay, there's a, there's a story going on here. And I know, I'm not dumb. I realize we can go all kinds of different directions with all this revelation stuff. But if you just read it for face value, it's like, oh, there's like people who are honoring God and there's people who are not honoring God. And God is in favor of those who honor him and God is judging those who aren't. Like, I think you'll see this over and there's over and over again. There's good and evil. There's good and evil. Mm-hmm. And and like you said, like um, building off of God's whole story, we've seen this at work so often. I would say actually most often in like the prophets, mm-hmm. um, which this would be in line with that kind of stuff, like that kind of literature. In some ways. Yeah. So a great example of that, the very opening scene, we've got these two witnesses. And one of the things that scholars love to do is who the witnesses? Eli and Moshe. Uh, that's who. Is it Elijah and Moses to help uh, those of you who don't know Ryan's reference? Uh, is it more general, just representing pr- prophets and the church? You know, what is this? What's going on? Is it some futuristic thing? But we have basically here, we have good guys doing like prophets, faithful-like things. They're being persecuted. They're killed. It looks like evil has won, and at the end of the day, God shows up and raises them back to life. So regardless of exactly who this is representing, we it's clear the original readers are going to come away with the good guys win, even when we're being persecuted, even when evil seems to triumph, like God's plan is still moving forward. And they would find encouragement in that without having to figure out exactly what all these details are. And we've seen this multiple times. This is not the first prophet who was honoring God with his life, and he was judged for some reason, and he was killed for no reason. I mean, he was, like, incorrectly killed by people who didn't want to honor God. This is not a new theme. Mm -hmm. So one of the other things we said throughout this book is that it's not chronological, and that sometimes you see repetition. And today's reading gives us a a shot of that, that when we're learning about the seventh trumpet, uh, after the seventh trumpet blows, they're worshiping in heaven, and there's this phrase in uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 17, says, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who always was. And there's something missing from here that's often said at other places in the book. There's no more is to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the things that happens with these cycles, it seems like we've got the return of Christ or we've got final judgment, and then things seem to start over again. Uh, and usually it coincides kind of with the end of these cycles, like Mm -hmm. the end of the seals or the end of the trumpets. I think we've got a picture of the return of Christ, and then we turn the page, and we get to Revelation chapter 12, (laughs) this picture of the woman and the dragon, 
Uh, and I know Chelsea wants to talk about that picture. <laughs> I love this passage because it's all about Christmas, <laughs> but you would never know it. <laughs> um, but this woman and the dragon and what's happening here is this this like cosmic thing that's happening um, that we get this background into the Christmas story that we don't get in the Gospels. So we kind of see as we're reading through, she gives birth to a son who is to rule all the nations. Um, the child was snatched away from the dragon and caught up to God in his throne. And so like all these things that are happening, it's actually a spiritual version of what's happened mm. on what we would call Christmas day when Jesus was born. So interesting to me. That would make a much more interesting Christmas play. I'm just saying, <laughs> I would, I, agree. I would be excited to go see that. <laughs> that. That could be a, we could start a new kind of nativity scene. <laughs> that would be epic. It could be, it'd be like nativity meets field of screams. Do you know <laughs> You know what would happen? <laughs> People would go by and be like, those Satanists. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'd be like, no, it's Revelation, guys. <laughs> um, so the other thing I want to point out is at the end of this passage is uh, the dragon tries really hard to mm. destroy this child. He can't. That's good news for us. Um, but he goes out and declares war on the rest of her children, which I would interpret as the church or believers. Mm-hmm. And it does say all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Um, again, looking at this as the church that's reading Revelation right now um, in their in their day, in their context would have been like, oh, like there's war declared on us and it's spiritual. And I think that's an important thing for them to remember and for us to remember that there's like a spiritual battle happening. Well, and, All for, the time. and for them, it was very much crossing over into physical as uh-huh. well. Yep, of course. Yeah. And we have a little bit of a period in the text where we're, we start getting introduced to some of the bad guys in this story, some of the evil characters. <laughs> the and it, Revelation's kind of interested that it will introduce uh, characters. And then towards the end of the book, you see the end of the destruction of each of those characters. So we're introduced to a beast. Uh, it's got echoes of Daniel, uh, which there was four separate beasts in Daniel. This is one beast that's... A lot of the images combined. Uh, he's powerful. And then there's this second beast, um, which is later called the false prophet that is connected to the first beast. And we're going to, we're just getting introduced to these characters. Uh, but throughout the book, we're going to see that the narrative or the drama of Revelation will show us the end of each of these enemies of God as well. Mm-hmm. The spoiler alert, the good guys win. <laughs> Again, encouraging for us. Um, do you guys want to talk about the the very last passage here with the sickle? <laughs> I don't know much about it. I, w- I want to just, before we get there, I want to pick out Revelation 12. Sure. There are a couple things where if you're reading Revelation and it like spooks you or something, like I would encourage you just focus on the passages that actually seem pretty straightforward and actually seem to make quite a bit of sense. Um, so Chelsea already alluded to this, Revelation 12, uh, 17, and the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children. Then there's like a, a hyphen actually. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. That's like, oh, that's actually not hard to understand. I get that. The good people are the ones who are following Jesus. Um, Then there's another part in chapter 12, um, start at verse 9. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who's destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Oh, that's, that's not hard to understand. That's like a very direct thing that just says, hey, like continue to be faithful. And it would have been so encouraging to the original hearers. Like, okay, let's just keep pressing through. The life is tough, but we're going to remain faithful. So if revelation is scary to you, uh, I would encourage you just look for the things that are actually pretty direct and not that hard to understand because the author is purposely making them pretty clear. <laughs> and many times in this book, the the author or the visions are clear of 
we're referring to believers or we're referring to unbelievers. Um, and uh, a lot of the times when even some of the passages I heard as a kid, they were some of the most scary passages. When I read them again, I'm like, oh, that's actually for unbelievers. That's that's not for believers, actually. Like, we, this book is not meant to inspire fear. Mm-hmm. The original readers are already running for their lives. They don't need more fear. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, they need hope. Uh, and I think even in some of the... Uh, Chelsea, you mentioned these different harvests that we see at the very end of the reading in Revelation 14. Uh, there's kind of this picture of two different harvests. And the first one is just an angel swings the sickle. He harvests uh, the, the crop because it's ripe and it just seems kind of very natural. Uh, that would probably be a good harvest, a normal harvest, the mm-hmm. harvest of believers. But the very next image is much more of a violent one. You've got an uh, angel swinging a sickle and harvesting grapes. And if you know anything about how you harvest grapes, you don't want to start hacking uh, with a sickle because it's going to be really messy. Mm-hmm. And then it goes on to describe, we're not just seeing grape juice here, that this, this, is, this is the wrath of God. This is blood. This is judgment. Uh, and who all throughout this book are the ones who are going to face judgment? It's unbelievers. Um, This is this consistent theme that there are two groups of people in this book. There's believers and unbelievers. And I I think Revelation is one of our greatest books to inspire evangelism because we just, we see where history is headed for those who don't follow Christ. Right. And that should actually drive us to compassion and, and evangelism, what Mm -hmm. you're already saying. I, I feel like so often when I've heard Revelation, it's been in this context of like, yeah, we win in the end. It's like, oh, wait. These are real people that are judged. We should not be excited about that. Because Jesus, in his ministry, was not excited about that. Um, He was doing everything he could to bring the kingdom, I think. And one of the biggest passages that inspires fear is we have to talk about. I know. Oh, man. I almost skipped over it. We have to talk about 666. I know. We have to talk about that. Can you just tell us what it means, Chris? (laughs) Uh, I wish it was that simple. Of course, that's got a lot of press, right? (laughs) Chelsea, you have some thoughts on this. I will... Again, with apocalyptic literature, I think as we look at these different numbers, it's important to realize that they're not like actual numbers. Like <laughs> Heresy. It says right there in the Bible, 666. Six, six. Those seem like real numbers to me. Okay. So what's the number of perfection in the Bible? 12. No. <laughs> Seven. Seven. <laughs> Ryan's playing. So we have we have 666, and it's trying – like it's a picture of this beast – evil trying so hard to be God. Um, 666 is so close to seven, but it's not quite seven. Um, and so I think it's, I don't know if, I, I don't know if it's a physical thing or a spiritual thing as far as a mark of the beast and his mark is 666. I guarantee it's not like the last three digits of your phone number or your social security number or whatever. Like it's probably fine. <laughs> it was ATM cards. Uh, if you, if you order in the main street cafe right now, do you know what you have to order to get 666? No, I like, like, know that, right? No, it's a thing. Cause Amy <laughs> just told me there's a, there's a sandwich that you order in the main street cafe that if you, uh, if you order that and only that you always get 666. I think it's hilarious, <laughs> oh my but it makes people uncomfortable. So they order like a drink then on top of oh, it. Oh my word. Oh, it's upcharged. Yeah. It's yeah. an upcharged strategy. Maybe it's a strategy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. We're very savvy. <laughs> wow. I like it. So, but one of the things that is cool. So. There, I think there is a direct contrast here, though, too, because we've got 666 is connected to the bad guy. Mm-hmm. The second beast, potentially this false prophet, um, it says, you know, that there's going to be uh, buying and selling will be limited and things, which the original readers are already experiencing economic persecution. This would not have been new. But right after this mark is talked about, the very next paragraph, which does happen to be a different chapter, and that's why we think it's something different. Mm-hmm. 
But the very next scene is all of a sudden we see the 144,000 who have the father's name written on their foreheads. And mm -hmm. I think this is a direct contrast that, you know, there's, if you're following evil, you bear the mark or you bear the seal, so to speak, of evil. But we've already seen several times in this book, those who are faithful have the mark of ownership of God. Yeah. Uh, and again, I don't think this is meant to be something of fear. I think that's the biggest thing that drives me crazy about 666 is right. how much it's, fear is inspired just, yeah. or that you're accidentally going to do this. I was just going to yeah. point that out. If if you literally read it, I mean, even if you're reading it in like the literal sense, trying to sort out what the numbers mean and how to avoid this kind of situation, the people who are taking this seal are taking it as an act of worship yes. of evil. Yeah. So like you're not going to be tricked into getting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The same way that we're not going to like get tricked into getting the seal of God. Like... Well, I was actually it, just it, thinking, like, based on who you just tattoo God's name is. on your face, and then you're good to go. <laughs> like, does one supersede the other? Or? Wow, so. I'm so glad we have action items from this. Yeah, next <laughs> steps. Ephesians says believers have the seal of God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you have the seal of God, I don't think we have to worry about the mark of the beast. Yep, I totally agree. Guys, thank you so much for listening today to God's Whole Story, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Revelation 11, starting in verse 1. Then I was giving a measuring stick, and I was told, Go and measure the temple of God and the altar, and count the number of worshipers. But do not measure the outer courtyard, for it has been turned over to the nations. They will trample the holy city for forty-two months, and I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will be clothed in burlap and will prophesy during those twelve hundred days. These two prophets are the two olive trees and the two lampstands and the stand before the Lord and all the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire flashes from their mouths and consumes their enemies. This is how anyone who tries to harm them must die. They have power to shut the sky so that no rain will fall for as long as they prophesy. And they have the power to turn the rivers and oceans into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. When they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them, and he will conquer them and kill them. And their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem the city that is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, the city where their Lord was crucified. And for three and a half days, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies. No one will be allowed to bury them. All the people who belong to the world will gloat over them and give presents to each other to celebrate the death of the two prophets who had tormented them. But after three and a half days, God breathed life into them. And they stood up. Terror struck all who were staring at them. Then a loud voice from heaven called to the two prophets, Come up here. And they rose to heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched. At the same time, there was a terrible earthquake that destroyed a tenth of the city. Seven thousand people died in that earthquake, and everyone else was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. The second terror is past, but look, the third terror is coming quickly. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet, and there were loud voices shouting in heaven, The world has now become the kingdom of the Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The twenty-four elders, sitting on their thrones before God, fell with their faces to the ground and worshipped Him. And they said, We give thanks to you, Lord God the Almighty, the one who is and who always was. For now you have assumed your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were filled with wrath, but now the time of your wrath has come. It is time to judge the dead and reward your servants, the prophets, as well as your holy people, and all who fear your name. From the least to the greatest, it is time to destroy all who have caused destruction on the earth. Then in heaven, the temple of God was opened, and the Ark of His Covenant could be seen inside the temple. Lightning flashed, thunder crashed, and roared, and there was an earthquake and a terrible hailstorm. 
Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant, and she cried out because her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, with seven crowns on his heads. His tail swept away one-third of the stars in the sky, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1260 days. Then there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the dragon lost the battle, and his and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters had been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night, and they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love themselves so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. When the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But she was given two wings like those of a great eagle, so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected from the dragon for a time, times, and half a time. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with a flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry at the woman and declared war against the rest of her children, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Then the dragon took his stand on the shore beside the sea. Then I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. It had seven heads and ten horns with ten crowns on its horns, and written on each head were names that blasphemed God. This beast looked like a leopard, but it had the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave the beast his own power and the throne of great authority. I saw that one of the heads of the beast seemed wounded beyond recovery, but the fatal wound was healed. The whole world marveled at this miracle and gave allegiance to the beast. They worshiped the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they also worshiped the beast. Who is as great as the beast, they exclaimed. Who is able to fight against him? Then the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God, and he was given authority to do whatever he wanted for 42 months. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God, slandering his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. And the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all the people who belonged to this world worshipped the beast. They are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life that belongs to the lamb who was slaughtered before the world was made. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone who is destined for prison will be taken to prison. Anyone destined to die by the sword will die by the sword. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently and remain faithful. Then I saw another beast come up out of the earth. He had two horns like those of a lamb, but he spoke with the voice of a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast, and he required all the earth and its people to worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. 
He did astounding miracles, even making fire flash down to earth from the sky while everyone was watching. And with all the miracles he was allowed to perform on behalf of the first beast, he deceived all the people who belonged to this world. He ordered the people to make a great statue of the first beast, who was fatally wounded and then came back to life. He was then permitted to give life to this statue so that it could speak. Then the statue of the beast commanded that anyone refusing to worship it must die. He required everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be given a mark on the right hand or on the forehead, and no one could buy or sell anything without the mark, which was either the name of the beast or the number representing his name. Wisdom is needed here. Let the one with understanding solve the meaning of the number of the beast, for it is a number of, the, of a man. His number is 666. Then I saw the lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had the name of his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven, like the roar of a mighty ocean, waves or rolling of loud thunder. It was like the sound of many harpists playing together. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings of the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. They have kept themselves as pure as virgins, following the Lamb wherever He goes. They have been purchased from among the people of the earth as a special offering to God and the Lamb. They had told no lies, and they were without blame. And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to the world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and the springs of water. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon is fallen, that great city is fallen, because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. Then a third angel followed them, shouting, Anyone who worships the beast or his statue or who accepts his mark on their forehead or on their hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It has been poured full strength into God's cup of wrath, and they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever, and they will have no relief day or night, for they have worshipped the beast and his statue and have accepted the mark of his name. This means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently, obeying his commands and maintaining their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work, for their good deeds follow them. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Swing the sickle, for the time of the harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the whole earth was harvested. After that, another angel came from the temple in heaven and also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel who had the power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, Swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the angel swung his sickle over the earth and loaded the grapes into the great winepress of God's wrath. The grapes were trampled in the winepress outside the city, and blood flowed from the winepress in a stream about 180 miles long and as high as a horse's bridle.
Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.